For the next two hours, you're invited to listen to Christmas on the Blues. is Christmas on the Blues. Two full hours of the greatest entertainment has to offer, brought to you by the Blue Network from Hollywood, New York, San Francisco, Paris, Pearl Harbor, and the European battlefront. To make your Christmas a merrier one, you'll hear Paul Whiteman and his orchestra, Wendell Niles and Don Prindle, Lawrence Tibbet and Reese Stevens, Walter Winchell, the Andrews sisters, Alan Young, The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, Andy Russell, Charlotte Greenwood, Fred Waring Chorus, Ed Wynn and his son Keenan, Joey Brown, the Paul Taylor Chorus, Herbert Marshall, Westbrook Van Bury, the famous voice of the March of Time, who will introduce our fighting men and women who are spending Christmas on far-flung battlefronts all around the world. And last but not least, the woman who heads our cast of over 200 actors, singers, and musicians, our mistress of ceremonies known to servicemen everywhere as our Gracie, Miss Gracie Fields. <laughs> I'm so glad you could be with us today because we're all in for one of the greatest listening treats in the history of radio. Two full hours of music and fun with some of the biggest stars in radio. But even better than that, some of you folks who haven't seen your loved ones in the service for a long time will have the thrill of talking with them overseas through the facilities of the Blue Network. So let's begin our two-hour show right now with Paul Whiteman and his orchestra, the Paul Taylor Chorus, and a lively Christmas carol called Deck the Halls. but, boy, I'm kind of worried. Well, what's the matter, Pops? Didn't Santa Claus fill your stocking this morning? Oh, sure he did fine in that department, Gracie. Sandy brought me lots of war bonds, and that's for me. 
It's filling up these two hours that worries me. Why, Paul? We have lots of famous people. That's trouble. We've got too darn many. How are you ever going to get all these big names into a puny little two-hour show? Well, the best way I know is to start introducing them as fast as we can. And first, I would like you to meet a brand new team of comedians who are going to work for Hire's Root Beer on January 24th at 10 p.m. Eastern Wartime over the Blue Network. So Christmas on the Blue gives you a preview of this new show starring Wendell Niles and Don Prindle. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Wendell Niles. And I am Don Prindle. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to start our little contribution on this Christmas day in a friendly manner. Now, to begin with, we want to know you, we want you to know us, and best of all, we want you people out there to know each other. Right, Don? Right, Wendell. How about everybody in our audience getting acquainted with each other? Say, that's a great idea. Now, look, we want all the men in our audience to turn to the lady next to him. That's it. Now, <laughs> all right, now, now introduce yourself to the lady and get acquainted. <laughs> There's a sailor in every crowd. <laughs> well, now that we're all familiar with each other. <laughs> hey, uh, Don, how about telling the people something about ourselves, huh? They yes, probably want to know uh, who you are and where you came from. So what's your story, Don? Well, there's not much to tell, Wendell. Thank you very much, Don. <laughs> Now, uh, suppose you tell us about yourself. Hmm? Well, it's just the usual story of a genius. Poor boy kicked around. People said I was dumb, lazy, and worthless. Did they actually use those words? Yes, but now those people have changed their tunes. They're still using the same words. How true, how true. Yes, how true. What's your story, Wim? <laughs> For the past two years, I've been announcing the Bob Hope Show, but if... <laughs> Of course, Bob won't be with us on our show. Yes, I read in the paper there's no hope for our program. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> I suppose as an announcer, Wendell, you have to have a pretty fair education. Did you go to college? No. Uh, high school? No. Grade school? No. Tell me when I'm getting warm. <laughs> uh, now, wait a minute, Don. I have proof that I went to school right here in my pocket. Now, you see this little card? That shows that I was in the 3A's. <laughs> uh, Wendell, that, uh, that card happens to be from your draft board. It is? I thought it was funny they made me get undressed in front of the principal. <laughs> well, now that we've uncovered your past, uh, let me say again... <laughs> let me say again that we're happy to be out here in Hollywood starting our new show. This Hollywood is a great place for an outdoor man. Oh, you said it, Don. I didn't know you were an outdoor man. Yes, I've been living outdoors for the last six months. <laughs> you I, have, huh? I expect to find an apartment any day now. It isn't bad. Uh, come right in. Pardon me, but are you the two gentlemen who are looking for a furnished room? Mm, yes, we are. Well, I'm from the Schnook Rental Agency. Now, we've been all over town, and the only thing we can find is the bridal suite at the Plaza Hotel. Mr. Niles, do you wish to take the bridal suite? I do. And you, Mr. Prindle, do you wish to take the bridal suite? I do. Very well, I now pronounce you room and bath. Five dollars a day. <laughs> Wendell, if you'll kindly run along, I have a little Christmas story I'd like to tell all the folks. Run along? What do you mean, Don? You're, you're not staying out here without me. We're a team, you know, Niles and Prindle. Uh, but, After but, all, what do you mean? I just well, want to tell a story. How can you act that way when we've been lifelong pals? Why do I have to make all the sacrifices? What do you mean, make sacrifices? Well, don't you remember we were in vaudeville together? You mean the time we played the part of a horse? Yes. Didn't I go to the front for you? Yes. <laughs> what a part I had. Well, we ate, didn't we? You're half eight. <laughs> and now, now do you mind if I tell my Christmas story? I'm very proud of it, Wendell. I wrote it myself. 
Oh, you wrote it yourself, huh? Well, has the Blue Network censored Dorothy Brown seen it? No, why should the censor see it? Well, look... I have censored for my story, this oh. little story. Look, Donnie, you don't seem to understand. You're new at this racket. Now, I've been on the air a long time. You realize there are a lot of things that you can't say on the radio. Now, what if your story contains some naughty words? I beg your pardon? I happen to be an Eagle Scout. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Don, I'll tell you what I'm going to do now. I'll let you read your play, but I'm going to have to censor it as you go along, because Dorothy isn't here. Now, if I hear one risque word, I'll ring my little bell. I have it right here. Now, like that, you get it? Yes, Okay, I now you tell your story. Okay, my story takes place on Christmas Eve. A boy and girl are riding along a country road, far from the city's hustle and bustle. Ah, 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 ah. Can't say bustle on the air. But I have to... <laughs> but I have to say bustle. This takes place in the back country. I'm sorry, Don. Your bustle is out. My what? Your bustle is out. That's just the way I'm built. I mean... <laughs> Truth. Um, go on with your story, Don. Well, they're riding along country road. Suddenly, the boy stops the car. Ah. Uh, they gotta keep riding. Gotta keep riding. You'll have to change it, I'm sorry. But he hit a tree. You'll have to change it. He had a flat tire. Oh, well, that's okay. Then you change it. <laughs> Go on with your story, Don. The young man looks around for help. Mm -hmm. Suddenly he sees bright lights and hears music coming from a cocktail bar. No cocktail bar, please. He hears music coming from a roadhouse. No roadhouse. The choir is singing Sweet Adeline. <laughs> <laughs> so he turns to the girl and says, do you want to dance? No dancing, Don. He pulls out a package of... No drinks. smoking, sorry. He offers her a drink. No drinking. All right, all right. She doesn't dance, she doesn't smoke, and she doesn't drink. She doesn't? No, in fact, Lloyds will give you ten to one. She's dead. <laughs> anyway, the hero walks up to the door of the cafe and, and decides to step in. Uh-uh, can't say step in. I'm sorry, it was a slip. <laughs> can't say slip. Why can't I say slip? Because that also comes under the censor's ban. Under where? Can't say underwear, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know how those things creep up on you. Yeah. <laughs> Will you please finish your story, Don? After well, all? okay. Suddenly the boy hears the girl scream. A big animal is coming out of the woods. Bear? No, he had a hat and coat on. What kind of a... <laughs> Well, the savage beast grabs the boy, crushes him in his powerful arms. He can't breathe. He stands there and pants. All right, I'll drop the pants. No, no, no. In the meantime, the girl has gone for help, and she comes to the rescue with a man from the FBI. Oh, for garden seed. Now I went and did it. Ring the bell, ring the bell. What's the matter? I had to go and say FBI. But, Don, there's nothing wrong with saying FBI. Yes, there is, Wendell. I'm ashamed of myself, really. Do you realize that the FBI is a government bureau? Well, sure, what of it? Well, a bureau is a dresser. A dresser is a chiffonier. A chiffonier is a tall thing with drawers, and drawers is a naughty word. <laughs> feel a little blue. Oh, how can that be, Gracie? Well, I'll tell you all about it, Pop. <laughs> again it is Christmas, again it is Christmas, again it is Christmas again. But that never thrills me, the thought of it kills me, I tell you it fills me with pain. It makes me remember a Christmas gone by when I was extremely up. A night in December, an evening that I would very much rather forget. For I took my harp to a party, for 
but nobody asked me to play. The others were jolly and hearty, but I wasn't feeling so gay. They might have said play as a tune we can sing, but somehow I don't think they noticed the thing. I took my heart to a party, but nobody asked me to play. They asked Mrs. Morgan to play her mouth organ and somebody else did a dance. They made Mrs. Carter perform a sonata, but I wasn't given a chance. A North Country person called Sandy McPherson played bagpipes and took off his coat. While both the Miss Fawcett's bust out of their corsets in trying to take a top note. They sang home home on the banks of Loch Lomond, then all the king's horses, then trees, while nephews and nieces kept playing their pieces and spreading their jam on the keys. A daughter called Lena played her concertina, we all played ridiculous games, till old Mr. Dyer set his whiskers on fire and the fire engine played on the flame. But I took my heart to a party. Nobody asked me to play, so I took the dancing away. Thank you. Thank you. Before we switch you to New York to hear American families talk with their fighting men overseas, I'd like to remind you of just one thing. Those valiant men and women are spending their Christmas in muddy shell holes, jungles, and on desert islands so, so that we can spend Christmas in our warm, comfortable homes. Help bring them back next Christmas by buying more bonds than you have ever bought before. Please don't forget them this Christmas. And now, Christmas on the Blue takes you 3,000 miles across America so that you may hear Mr. Westbrook Van Voorhees, the famous voice of March of Time program, heard each Thursday night at 10.30 over the Blue Network. We take you now to New York. Thank you, Gracie Fields. A down east Yankee Christmasing in the tropics may well yearn today for snow drifting against the stone fences of New England. But a southerner somewhere near the Arctic Circle may dream not of a white Christmas, but of poinsettias blooming in red Alabama soil and the crackle of children's firecrackers. To other frontline troops amid mud and cold and death and wounds, today we'll recall memories of warmth, of love and good cheer, of stocking hung hard from the indescribable incense of a Christmas tree. To the millions overseas, today may well mean as many different things, for up and down this broad land of ours, Christmas is a local custom and varies like the people who make up America. It can be Christmas without Santa Claus, without a toy if the children are grown up, without a turkey dinner if there are only one or two to eat it. And mistletoe isn't very much without the right person beneath it. Christmas could be Christmas without any of these things. And overseas, there are G.I. Christmas parties for children in France, in England, in Iceland, in Philippines, and many another land. Somewhere in Italy, high on an Apennine hill, a pine tree glows with colored lights. Yet at home and overseas, one thing is lacking. The one thing above all else that makes for Christmas. It's the sound of a well-remembered and beloved voice saying, Merry Christmas. Today, the Blue Network does what it can to remedy this, to bring a few voices at home and a few voices overseas together. 
There are a few of those home folks in our New York and San Francisco studios right now. They must represent to the men overseas the loved ones at home, just as the chosen GI voices you will hear from overseas must represent their buddies who this day are busy with the war. To bring these representatives together, to let each hear the well-loved voice of the other, here's Doug Browning. Thank you, Westbrook Ben Boris. This is the Blue Network in New York calling Harold Peters in Paris. Hello, This is Harold Peters, the Blue Network correspondent in France. How are you, Harold? Fine. Uh, Merry Christmas, Doug. Same to you, boy. Uh, we have in the studios tonight, we've got four people who've been through uh, different phases of the war for different periods, and we're very happy that we've been able to give them this chance to talk to their folks uh, at home at this season. And who do you have, uh, Harold? Uh, first, we've got Sergeant Henry Waldfogel. He's 25 years old of Catonsville, Maryland. We have his wife right here, Ronnie. Well, he wants to hear about that new son that was born. He just got a telegram on the 6th of December, but he's still not sure of the date uh, when he was born. <laughs> uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Sergeant. Merry Christmas, darling. Hi, Ann. How are you? Oh, boy, fine. Boy, that sounds swell. Oh, good. Hey, um, it hey, was uh, born December 5th. December 5th? Uh-huh. Good. And his weight? Um, eight pounds, one and a half ounces. Good. Uh... Who does he look like? You, of course. Me? <laughs> Certainly. Well. Hey, look, I got your flowers yesterday. Gee, they were pretty. You liked them, huh? You bet. Did you get the others? Yeah, Mother got those. They were swell, huh? Uh-huh. Hey, how about the Christmas gifts I sent home? Have you got those? Well, no, they haven't gotten here yet. Oh, they'll be there. Um, how's the mail situation? You getting letters? Just one on the 10th. Son of a gun. Huh? Son of a gun. How about mine? I've been, well, I just got two Saturdays. Are you dead? But I've been writing every day. Good for you. Me too. How's the weather back home? White Christmas? No. No? No. That's bad. It's plenty cold over here. Oh, well. Uh, you have some heat in the hotel now. Yes, we have. Oh, what? Are you going to name me? Hey, uh, incidentally, <laughs> is it Junior? Well, no, it's a third. Oh, I get it. <laughs> what will his name be? Junior. Um, it's the third. The... Beg pardon? It's the third. No juniors for us. Oh, I see. Uh, how's everybody? Oh, fine. Good. I'm going to take a break and say Merry Christmas to Mother and Dad. Good. I did it. Good. Um, gee whiz, I don't know what to say now. Well, I come back after you, talk to you, after you talk to your mother and dad, why she can come back and say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mother and Dad. You know I'm thinking of you. Hey, Ronnie? Yeah. What's Bob doing? Uh, he's out at sea now. Yeah? Can't say where, because I don't know. How's the car running? Oh, fine. No Good. more no more accidents. Well, you know what? This is the swellest Christmas gift a fellow can have. Well, that is outside of being home. Uh, really Ronnie, wonderful to hear your voice. We're going to have to cut off the conversation. Will you think about it? Bye, darling. Merry Bye, Christmas. Sweetheart. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right, Harold. Who uh, else do we have now? Uh, the next one we've got is Sergeant George Boardingham of New Rochelle, New York. Well, we He's have... a radio operator and gunner uh, and a medium bomber, and he just completed his 10th mission yesterday and jeeped all the way down to Paris to get up for this broadcast. Fine. We have his family here and well, uh, a young member that you no doubt can hear over there. Well, we hope we're going to hear him because he saw her when she was uh, three months old on his way over to this theater. He spent some time in the Pacific, and he just got a break to see her, see her when she was three months old. She's six months old now. Good. Well, here's a greeting. Go ahead. That's the greeting. Now, that's here is... <laughs> that's right. Here is uh, Mrs. Boardingham, your mother. Go right ahead. 
Oh, much love this Christmas, George. It's wonderful to hear you. Oh, it's swell. Isn't this a wonderful Christmas present? Yeah, it's swell. Oh, that's great. How have you been? Oh, I've been wonderful. That's good. Just... And Dad? Oh, he's grand. That's you should good. see him. Oh, I'll bet. You should see him with a hundred pounds more on since last Christmas. A hundred more? Yeah. What does that make it? George, I want to tell you something. Yes? This is speaking to you today and having Doris and the baby with us has made this a wonderful Christmas for us. Uh-huh. Well, how's Dad? Wonderful. God bless you, boy. And okay. every mother's daughter and son all over this world. Okay. Merry Christmas. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. How are you? Oh, fine. How was the Jeep ride? Oh, very good. That's good. Can you hear the little one shouting? Yeah, I hear. She annoys the... the devil now. How much does she weigh now? Sixteen pounds and a couple of ounces. Uh-huh. She's on good. three meals a day. Uh-huh. Are you Thanks. getting my letters? Yes. Good deal. You getting mine? Well, a few. A few. Few and five each week. Yes. Are you smoking a pipe yet? No, I'm still smoking cigarettes. Good deal. Which reminds me, I sent you some. Thank you. You may get them. Thank you. Oh, dear. Hello, George. Hello, Pop. How are you? All fine. That's good. The good, best of health. Uh, you talk to Doris again. Okay. Hello, darling. How are you? <laughs> fine. By the way, you're going to get another pair of socks. But I need them. Yeah, I bet you do. Cold feet. <laughs> hey, that little one makes a lot of noise. Yeah. Well, goodbye, darling. Goodbye, darling. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You say goodbye. Goodbye, son. Bye, Good Mom. luck. Bye, Bye George. Go on, Pop. This is uh, Blue in New York saying goodbye to Paris for the time being. See you later. We'll stand by. Right. We return you now to Hollywood. In a short while, we will hear from another group of fighting men and their families. But right now, we want to hear Paul Whiteman and his orchestra and the Paul Taylor Chorus in one of the outstanding musical arrangements of 1944, Holiday for Strings.
it on your Philco Hall of Fame broadcast, which comes over the Blue Network on Sundays at 6 p.m. Ah, thanks for the plug, Gracie. Thanks for the arrangement, Paul. Now we want you to meet a young comedian who has been voted the most promising star of tomorrow, who we can hear at 8.30 Tuesday night when he broadcasts for Bristol Myers. He is, of course, Alan Young. We take you now to New York. Thank you. Thank you, Gracie. Oh, Kenny Delmar. Yes, Alan. Yeah, Kenny, I just finished the most wonderful Christmas dinner. We had a 30-pound turkey, and I invited some fellas over from the Air Force. Oh. What eaters? When that turkey came in, some of them began gunning for the legs, another was gunning for the breast, another was gunning for the wings. Yeah, what about you, Alan? Rear gunner. (laughs) (laughs) You you come from Canada, Alan. What kind of Christmases do they have up there? Oh, wonderful. I remember how on Christmas morning I walked through the living room, flung open the kitchen door, and... Mmm, that aroma. The laundry steaming on the stove. I thought it smelled too good to be food. But a few a few months ago, I left home, Ken. Yeah, were your parents sorry to see you go? Oh, yeah. On the day I was leaving, my father called me over for a few parting words. He said, hey, son. He always called me, hey. He said, he said son, you're leaving home. And it's time I was talking to you like a Dutch uncle. So, I'm flip the stuff in the roof. Yes, of course. Well, he said it in Gaelic. I see. Well, did you have a good train trip down here, Oh, Alan? I had a compartment right at the end of the car. A wonderful compartment. There was only one thing wrong with it. What? Every time the train stopped at a station, the conductor locked me in. <laughs> well, you certainly have changed since you came down here from Canada. You're not as naive as you used to be. Oh, I'll say I'm not naive, no. Like last night, I went up to a girl's apartment. I sat there for two hours with the lights turned out. You did? Yeah. Then she came home and turned them on, so I had to leave. went out stepping. I went to the store club. Uh, Hetty Lamar sat at a table right across from me. Of course, I winked at her. Yeah, what did she do? What did she do? She sent a waiter over to ask me for a dance. She did? Yeah. He was a pretty good dancer for a waiter, too. (laughs) But seriously, I would like to show you the first girl I ever met in the United States. It was the second week I was down here, and I had a blind date. Somebody gave me this girl's address, and I'd never seen her before, so when I walked up onto her front porch, she was standing there waiting for me. Are you... Are you Betty? Why, yes. Well? <clears throat> Hello? Alan Young, it's you. Yeah. And it's you. Yeah. Yeah. Well? Well? Should we neck? Oh, why don't we just sit on the porch swing here? I don't want to wake up Grandpa. Okay. Oh, it's fortunate we got together. Yeah? You know, my being here is quite unexpected. So is mine. My mother wanted a girl. Do you, uh, uh, do you do much reading, Mr. Young? Well, yeah, I read all kinds of books. Oh, good. So do I. Do you like little women? Yeah, but I like books, too. <laughs> you, uh, care to feel the muscle in my arm? Oh, all right. Yes. Oh, my. Your arm is as hard as a rock. How did it get that way? Got a rock up my sleeve. <laughs> See, Betty, you know, you're... You're about the prettiest girl I ever saw. Oh, Mr. Young, you're fooling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like you, Betty. I like you, too. Mr. Young, are you going with anybody? Yeah, anybody. <laughs> oh, I had a girl once, but I quit going with her because she was so deceitful. 
Every, every night she used to tell me to put my arm around her because she was cold. And she wasn't. What did you do when you were sitting alone with a girl like this? Oh, we used to play post office. You did? Yeah. We just sat there and then I opened my mouth and she rammed a package down my throat. <laughs> it's getting a little darker, getting a little quieter, too. Betty, will you, will you sit on my knees? But Mr. Young, what about my grandpa? You have to stand. I can't seat the whole family. <laughs> Betty? Yes, Mr. Young? What I'm trying to say is, are you, are you doing anything tonight? Why, no. Oh. Are you doing anything tomorrow night? Why, no. Oh. Are you doing anything Friday night? Why, yes. I have a date Friday night. Oh. Well, some other time, I guess. <laughs> but, Alan, you were going to ask me something. Yeah, Betty, I was wondering... Hey, what time is this to be making love to my granddaughter? Um, 8.30. Oh, all right. Good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah, Betty, what I'm trying to say is, do you believe a fella should kiss a girl right away? Alan Young, you want to kiss me? No? I mean, yes, yes. I... I don't know what to say. I've never kissed a man before. Well, neither have I, so we start even. <laughs> I've, I've wanted to meet a girl like you, Betty. I've wanted that more than anything else in the world. Even more than a hat with cherries. Of course, I, I don't show my excitement because my technique is the calm, sophisticated... Alan, you've got a head on your shoulder. Act it up! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, I mean... Well, if you don't want to kiss me, of course, after all, you, you know what they say in French. No, what? Huh? I guess they can say pretty well anything in French. <laughs> what about it, Betty? Will you kiss me? Oh, I don't know what to answer, Alan. Hmm? My heart says yes. My head says perhaps. But my soul says no. Huh? What do you hear from your liver? <laughs> Betty, I'm going to take you in my arms and kiss you. And then... Hey, I'll teach you to kiss my granddaughter. Too late. I already know. Oh, all right. Good night. Good night. As I was saying, Betty, I'd, I'd like to be with you because you look just like my uncle. Oh, Alan, you mean I look like my aunt, like your aunt. Whose aunt? Your aunt. Let's not louse up our families, kid. Keep your aunt out of this. <laughs> and take my word for it, you're better off looking like my uncle. Betty, I want to take you in my arms, and then I want to... All right, now, suppose you just tell me what's going on out here. Why, nothing at all, Grandpa. Mr. Young was just going to kiss me. Oh, he was, was he? Well, nobody kisses my granddaughter unless they're gentlemanly about it. Now, go ahead and let's see just how much of a gentleman you are. Oh, okay. I was just going to take her in my arms like this. Yes. And draw her close to me like this. Yes. And then kiss her like this. There. Well, I guess that's all right. But now suppose you put me down and try it out on my granddaughter. <laughs> We pause briefly in this Blue Network Christmas program for station identification. And here's Gracie Fields again to carry on with Christmas on the Blue. And to start off our second half hour, we have the pleasure of presenting two of the great stars 
heard on the Texaco Metropolitan Opera Program Saturday afternoon at 2. We can't, of course, bring you an entire opera, but we are fortunate enough to be able to bring you Mr. Lawrence Tibbet singing the famous Toreador song and Miss Reese Stevens singing the beautiful Seguidilla from Carmen. Mr. Tibbet and Miss Stevens will be heard with the Metropolitan Orchestra under the direction of Cesare Sodero. We take you now to New York.
probably the best Christmas gift I've had today. You're more than welcome, Risa. Do you know, uh, music that reaches the boys who are far away from home at Christmas is a mighty important part of the season for them. Yes, I know it, Larry. I've seen them in the Army and Navy hospitals all over the country. It's not only a privilege, it's our job to sing for them. Well then, Reza, what, uh, what's your part of our Christmas package this year? I think I'll sing another aria from the famous Carmen, Larry. The Segadilla. to Hollywood. From the Metropolitan Opera House in New York, we return to Hollywood only long enough to introduce our next guest. There are lots of nice things I could say about him, but if you are one of the millions of American listeners who tune in to the Jurgens Journal at 9 o'clock Sunday night, I am sure that nothing more need be said than we take you now to Walter Winchell. Attention, Mr. and Mrs. United States. Christmas Day celebrates the birthday of the only king few common people have recognized. They love him because the only realm he has ever asked is the kingdom of their hearts. But the next 2,000 years of history will be a whole lot happier than the last 2,000 if the rulers of this earth would remember that the Prince of Peace is also the king of humility. The agony of humanity can be measured now, as it always will be, by the distance it has departed from his teachings. The terms of the only permanent peace treaty were written thousands of years ago, and they have never varied. They are the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments. They were not ushered in by flamethrowers, machine guns, warships, rocket guns, or armored cars. They were brought by a baby born in a stable. 
Today on a hundred battlefields, the young men of this nation are fighting his fight against greed, intolerance, and injustice. For those who fight, the nation prays that he be with them. And those who have made the supreme sacrifice, the nation knows are with him now. This Christmas, there is a special soft light from the star of Bethlehem for the gold star in the window. He left no handwriting. Like many another great message, his words were not first written on paper. He knew that all great messages must be simple enough to be written on men's hearts. He personally spoke to only a few men, but millions of people have repeated his words. Now, through a great and a good industrial miracle, your radio, tens of millions of people can hear his message of eternal tolerance and decency without going out of their homes. The forces of evil use radio in code, a secret weapon. But for free men, speaking in the open, it is public weapon number one. For every secret enemy communique in the field, the Blue Network alone sends millions of public messages into American homes to rally American citizens to the cause of our country. Messages vital to the welfare of its free citizens, and therefore vital to the welfare of our nation. Yes, the Blue Network will be functioning long after the last enemy wireless set is silenced. But until the day that all men speak under the general bond of charity and tolerance, the decent people of the world have no choice but to speak with weapons and war bonds. We are fighting for the bond of his brotherhood, underwritten by a promise 2,000 years old. And no more effective method of helping exists today than by purchase of a war bond underwritten by the United States government. A great American war president nearly 100 years ago stated America's only war aim, to do the right as God gives us to see the right and to do that with malice toward none, and with charity toward all. That will be as valid 500 years from now as it was when it was repeated nearly 100 years ago by Abraham Lincoln, because it was said over 1,900 years ago by the man who gives us our hope and our strength today. And that great permanent purpose of America is why a United States war bond is the greatest possible expression of the general bond of all mankind. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel privileged to speak of humanity's debt to radio today because no man owes it more than I do. I believe from my heart that with the advent of radio, the forces of evil lost their greatest confederate, secrecy, and the forces of good gained their strongest ally easy, direct, and public communication. In expressing my debt to radio as an invention, I would feel remiss if I did not express my appreciation of the Blue Network in particular. I am proud, as a broadcaster, to have the use of such a great instrument of civilization as the radio. But I am particularly proud, as a Blue Network reporter and commentator, to say that I believe this instrument of civilization is treated by the highly civilized executives of the Blue Network 
as a sacred trust of the American people and the people's priceless Bill of Rights. And now, may I present one of the working trustees of your Bill of Rights, a man whose high purpose matches his greatest responsibilities, Mr. Chester La LaRoche. Thank you, Walter. You are truly a national institution. Now, in this one of the great public service programs of the day, I am sure all of you who are listening will not feel it out of place if in behalf of the Blue Network and its 190 stations, and for Mr. Noble, our chairman, I thank the famous stars and our overseas staff who have worked with us to make this program one of which we are proud, a program which we planned in the mood of the day for your pleasure and relaxation. It is our way of saying Christmas greetings and thanks for your loyalty to the Blue. As you share the spirit of the day with those dear to you at home, we of the Blue Network are mindful that out of your hearts pours forth a mighty prayer to those of our flesh and blood overseas. They are fighting for what we so profoundly believe in, that this is far and away the greatest country in the world. If all these prayers surged into one, they would swell into a mighty chorus, a voice so loud that over the roar of the guns, every one of our boys overseas would be sure that despite our temporary flaws or our failures of the day, never before was a home front so determined to stand shoulder to shoulder with its fighting men. The Germans and the Japs brag of their efficiency and unity of purpose often brought about by the Gestapo and the point of the gun. But their efforts can never match ours. On D-Day, our leaders told us that we had met every demand for guns and supplies. The American volunteer method, based on information, had beaten the fascist method based on compulsion. But now, the news from the Western Front makes it clear to all of us that our leaders must ask us to do far more than we have ever done. But let us not wait. Let's get the radar equipment, the trucks, the tires, and the ammunition. Let us pile up supplies, pile on pile, until there is never again a question of enough. The Blue Network will cooperate with our war leaders in making clear what we are up against and what is needed. We will present fearlessly all sides of a problem. Our commentators are allowed to express their own opinions. They need not conform to ours. We are not afraid of the result. If the extreme liberal or the extreme conservative viewpoints are heard, as long as both are heard, our faith is such that we believe, given all sides of a question, our people will act soundly and with judgment. That is the basis of democracy. To help make democracy grow and assume its rightful place in world leadership, we pledge ourselves to find new ways to use the full power of radio, liberally and progressively and unafraid. Thank you. We return you now to Gracie Fields in Hollywood. 
This is Gracie Fields in Hollywood again, and right now, I would like you to meet three young ladies who are starting a brand new program on the Blue Network next Sunday, 4.30 p.m., for the Nash Calvinator Corporation. Christmas on the Blue presents the Andrews Sisters. <laughs> well, well you know, I must say the Andrews Sisters have survived the ordeal of Christmas shopping very well. Well, Gracie, we didn't have any problem at all this year. Christmas shopping was easy. We gave mostly war bonds. You couldn't have picked better presents. And they're so easy to wrap. And they'll be so wonderful to unwrap in a few years because they will be worth a lot more money. But better than that, they will help win this war. Now then, what are you girls going to sing for us? Well, it being Christmas, we couldn't think of anything better than Jingle Bell. Well, okay, then let's hear Jingle Bell. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun to ride and sing in a one-horse open sleigh. In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Bells on bobtail rings Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing A sleighing song tonight Jingle bells to jingle bells Jingle all the way Gracie, and greetings of the season to you, and to all the blue, and all America, and all the world, with uh, obvious exceptions. 
Bart, I know I speak for all of us when I say that we lend our ears on Saturday night to your show, The Man Called X Without Fail. Oh, thank you. I never miss your, your show, Gracie. Excellent. Well, thank you, but your show has so much excitement and pace and drama. Oh, my dear Gracie, I must protest. In fact, we have a spot on our show for you as Mr. X. X marks the spot. Uh-huh. Now, you shouldn't have bothered. I really... I... Oh, presenting Herbert Marshall. No, I... The man uh... called XYZ. Oh, really? I did. <laughs> In the case of the missing claws, I... Chris Kringle comes a cropper. The double cross. <laughs> Calling Santa Claus. Come in, please. Calling Santa Claus. Come in, please. Oh, Santa Claus, come in. Look up you. And here, radio listeners, is the latest news about the mysterious disappearance of the well-known gift tycoon, Santa Claus. The Greenland weather observation post saw Claus riding a fair wind with his reindeer prancing along in good shape. Weather conditions remain favorable, but he's not been hurt from since. Foul play is suspected. The emergency council is now meeting in New York to take steps. Gentlemen, you have been called into the emergency council to see if you can make suggestions as to the possible cause of the disappearance of Santa Claus. But you have been of no help. As battling a case as I, Sherlock Holmes, have ever met and must. Amazing, my dear Holmes, amazing. Shut up, Watson. Yes, my dear Holmes, yes, Holmes. We are desperate, gentlemen. Do you realize that if Santa Claus does not show up, millions of people will be without gifts? Where's the thin man? He slipped out under the door. The safe went down to the bar. The FBI took Mr. Moto back to the clink, and Charlie Chan got his tongue caught in a proverb. Gentlemen, there is only one answer. We must call on the man. You mean? Yes, I mean... Oh, you don't mean my... No, I don't mean him. But you do mean... If you don't mean me, I'm going back to my Christmas dinner. It's a sheep. The man called that. Call me why. I'm in disguise. Oh, won't you slip off your disguise, Mr. X? It's so hot in here. Yes, it's a little stuffy. I resent that, X. Sorry, old boy. I meant to be offensive. Now, you will see me as I really am. I remove my beard, my dark glasses, and my false nose. Presto. Thank you, madam. Thank you. Well, Mr. Chairman, we, uh, we are baffled by the disappearance of Santa Claus, who was last seen in his sleigh heading toward this country. We must find Claus. How did you hear from him before he disappeared? He's on our shortwave, two-way beam, but now he does not answer our call-up. We suspect foul play. Indeed, if we didn't suspect foul play, we detectives would have a devil of a time making a living. No, that's a good one, X. Oh, that's a very good one. <laughs> Shut up, Watson. Oh, my dear Holmes. Have you the transcript of the log on the shortwave station just before his disappearance, if I'm not being too technical? Where are you? Yes, here it is, right here. Uh-huh. Calling S. Claus. Calling S. Claus. Over. This is S. Claus. Wind 90, speed 150, course 190, ceiling 210, correction, ceiling 200. I wonder what made him lower the ceiling. Obviously the OPA. <laughs> that was Claus's last transmission. Uh, yes, yes. Then the radio announcer read the news. Yes, I have it right here. Quote, tonight the OPA... I knew they had something to do with it. Tonight the OPA decided... Hmm, very interesting. What could the OPA say that would affect Santa Claus? Gentlemen, the case is solved. And not only that, but I've got two clues and a wet footprint left over. Wonderful. X brings home the bacon. Bacon X. Oh, that's a very good one. <laughs> Shut up, Watson. Oh, Holmes. There's not a moment to lose. Come on, all of you.
Here we are. Hurry. The shortwave station. Act your stubbornness of mule. I feel like a blind sheep following you on a wild goose chase. Or oh, would you rather be a fish? <laughs> Quick. Give it the shortwave transmitter circuit. The Santa Claus is listening to. Here's a microphone, sir. But we've yes. been calling him without avail. I fear he's crashed, sir. This is X-testing. One, two, button my shoe. Three, four, shut the door. Calling Santa Claus. Calling Santa Claus. S-A-N-T-A. S-A-N-T-A. Message for you. Message follows. What you heard on the news broadcast does not, I repeat, does not apply to you. I say again, what you heard on the news broadcast does not, I repeat, not apply to you. Come in, please. Over. <laughs> this is Santa Claus. Roger. Taking off for the United States. Course 190. Full speed ahead. Stand by for a chimney landing in every home in America. That is all. Over. And out. Did you hear that? Mr. Rex, we cannot thank you enough. But how did you ever find out what made Santa Claus stop his trip from the North Pole? What did he hear in the news broadcast? Uh, elementary, eh, Mr. Rex? No, elementary, Mr. Holmes. Here is what made Santa stop his trip. I read the news from the broadcast. Quote, tonight the OPA decided that the meat shortage is so acute that reindeer will now be sold in butcher shops. Oh, amazing, amazing, my dear. Uh, Shut up, Watson. Oh, Holmes, go home. <laughs> better known as the man called X. Now it is time for another visit between the servicemen who are spending Christmas overseas and their families who are wishing they were here in America. To bring you the second overseas pickup, we take you now to Westbrook Van Voorhees in New York. At home, a lot of the fun of Christmas is in the suspense. Wondering was what is in this or that package. Yet scrupulously obeying the injunction, do not open until Christmas. Overseas, the U.S. fighting man could hardly be blamed if he opened his Christmas box as soon as it came, G.I. packs being as heavy as they are. And long ago, long before December 25th, news pictures reached the U.S. showing G.I.'s unwrapping these gifts, mailed away back last October. After all, fruitcake tastes good any time, and socks and sweaters were as warm December 1st as they are today. So, far from home, their presents unwrapped. Today, for many a U.S. fighter overseas, is one more day of mud or dust, cold or heat. Food from rolling kitchens or K-rations. G.I.s in the U.S. have a fighting chance to call home. But all the transatlantic and transpacific lines together could never take care of all the fighting Joes overseas who want to talk to the best girl in the world, whether she's mom or wife or the girl next door. Now, here's Doug Browning again. Thank you, Westbrook. Hello, Hal Peters in Paris. Hello, Doug. Uh, who do we have over there to talk to in the way of some boys? Now, we've got Private John Marsala of Brooklyn. He's uh, here in the studio with us. He was wounded at St. Lowe last July by a landmine, but he's absolutely all right now, and he's uh, waiting to talk to his mother and father and his two sisters. Well, by golly, we've got him right here. Here is his mother. Hello, Mom. Hello, John. Hello, how are you? All right, Johnny. That's How are good. you? Well, Mom, don't worry. You have a nice Christmas, John? Yes, well. How I about... hope you got a nice Christmas and after New Year. Good. How about you? All right, we have a nice Christmas, John. Well, how's Pop? He's all right. That's nice. You're going to hey, talk to him in just a minute. All right, good. 
Everybody's all right, Johnny. That's you well, know, ma'am. Johnny is in Nicky's prison war, you know. Yeah, I heard He's in German. He's all right, Johnny. That's well. All right, Johnny. Don't worry too much, ma'am. Okay. Well, how would you like to talk to Evelyn now? Put her on, please. Here she is. Hello, Hello Chip. Hello, Eve. How's the kid, brother? Chippy. Hello, Eve. Hello, darling. How are you? Fine. How are you? Okay. That's good. I hope you have a very merry Christmas, Chippy. Same to you, Eve. Listen, darling, I would I would have brought Patty, but she, you know how she is. She's starting to crawl around. But uh-huh. she calls Mom's house. Do you want to say hello to them and the Merry Christmas, please? Right. They're listening in. Okay. Who, who was that? Hey, Carly's mother. Will you please say hello oh, to them? Hello there, Mrs. Ritter. Thanks, uh, darling. Merry Christmas to you and Arthur and all the rest out there. Now, how about Dad? Here's Pop. Pop? Hello, Johnny. Hello, Hi. Pop. Okay. Gee, it's good to hear your voice. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, listen, Johnny, I want to ask you a question. Yeah? Do you receive any money? Yeah, I got it, Pop. Okay, nice. Don't send any more, though. That's right. <laughs> All right. Now, how about the other sister, all right? Here she is. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Angie. How are you? All right, how are you? Okay. <laughs> That's well. Johnny, will you say hello to Charlie? He's listening in. Charlie? Yeah. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> how are you, boy? I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Same to you, Take honey. care of yourself. Now you have 15 more seconds to say goodbye to Mom, all right? Okay. Danny, take a care of yourself. God bless you. Yeah, same to you, Mom. Danny, you receive the package I sent you? And, uh... With the sense? Yeah. Yeah, where, Johnny? Where you, where you are, Johnny? Huh? Where always it? Yeah, I will, Mom. God bless you. All right, bye, Johnny. God bless you all. All right, Hal. Merry Christmas. Who else? Uh, Now we have uh, uh, Private First Class uh, Francella and Justina of the WAC. Right. Uh, She's from Utica, New York, and she's a typist here. She's been taking notes in shorthand, so I think she'll have a lot to say to her parents and her sister. That's right, Mr. and Mrs. Justina. uh, We'd hope to get her uh, fiancé up to the mic, but he's a flyer and has lots to do, and he couldn't get away for Christmas leave, so she'll she'll probably get the message from him to uh, her sister and her parents. Well, here is Mrs. Justina. Hello, Mother. Hello, Franya. How are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. Good. How are you? Fine. I'm buddy. Okay. How's this? Who? This B and Helen. Every everybody okay. That's fine. Stanley, Stanley okay. And Mary and George, Uncle That's John and Sophie. Everybody okay. okay. Is uh, cousin Your Stan brother home? John okay? Is cousin Stan home? Yes. And I too. Yes. Oh, that's fine. How's Pug? Okay. That's well. Thank you, love you, kisses. God bless you and your comrade too. God bless you, mother. Here's Dad. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Daddy. How are you? Very good. How are you? Oh, fine. Good. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And Happy Merry New Christmas, Year. Daddy. You know, uh, Aunt Mary tell you the same thing. Same George, thing. Uncle too. That's you know? fine, Daddy. John, Uncle too. That's uh, well. How's you got a Christmas over there? Oh, good? very good. I got nine packages today, Dad. All right. Uh, listen, Francis, you be careful yourself, you know? Yes. Because. Have you, have you heard from Bob? Uh, 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 no, Bob's not here. He's not here. Yeah, he's over there by the young. Near you, I guess. He's over there. Well, goodbye. Bye, Dad. God bless you. Where's this be? Yeah, be here. Right here. Here's Benita. Hello, sis. Hello, sis. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine. Isn't this a wonderful Christmas that's present? That's the best Christmas present I got yet. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Is it Cousin Santum home? Yes, he is, and he sends you his love, and he says he's saving a bottle of champagne for you. Yes, swell. And Cousin Mad, too? Oh, he's grand. He was home just a short while ago, you know. Oh, that's swell, yes. I got a letter from Pensacola from him. Oh, wonderful. Did you get all our packages? Yeah, nine today. Oh, that's grand. You must have had a nice Christmas then. Very good. This is the best, though. Oh, that's swell. How's this, Helen? Oh, she's just fine. They all send you their love. Uh-huh. Likewise to them. That's great. Well, how about Mother saying goodbye now, will you? All right. Bye, Mother and Daddy. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, my dear. Bye goodbye. Bye. God bless you. Thank goodbye, you. Sonia. Bye-bye, Daddy. Goodbye, Frank. Bye, sis. Bye-bye. Bye. We pause briefly in the Blue Network's Christmas program for station identification. again, we're starting the second hour of Christmas on the Blues. You'll hear Ed Wynn, Andy Russell, Charlotte Greenwood with Charlie Cantor, the famous Fred Waring chorus, The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, then Joey Brown, who will introduce more American families speaking with their sons in the Pacific Combat Zone. Here again is Gracie Field. And now Christmas on the Blue has the pleasure of bringing you an intellectual discussion on the finer things in music. And this discussion will take place in New York between the famous Metropolitan Opera commentator, Milton Cross, and the famous authority on anything ridiculous, Mr. Ed Wynn. We take you now to New York. Hello, Ed. Hello, hello, Milton. Well, it's very nice of your sponsor, Bordens, to present you in Happy Island every Friday night and then to give you to us today. Yes, I'm glad to be here, uh, Milton. <laughs> but, Ed, I can't imagine what we'd have in common... Why not? I used to be a musician, you know. I made my debut when I was 11 years of age in Carnegie Hall as a violinist. Didn't you know that? Oh, right in the middle of a violin concerto, Milton, the whole audience got up and walked out of the hall into the street. <laughs> so I went on the street and played the violin and chased the audience back in a <laughs> hall again, you know. <laughs> well, I didn't know you were musical. Oh, my whole family is musical, Milton. My brother used to play one of those big violins. What do you call that, the biggest violin in the orchestra there? Oh, you mean the bass viol. A bass viol. My brother used to play one of those. He played it for eight years, but the family made him give it up because it hated him socially. You know what happened? Whenever he asked a young lady to dance, just from force of habit, <laughs> he grabbed the girl around the neck with one hand and beat her on the back with the other. Just <laughs> I'm sorry, Ed, yeah. but... You don't sound like a musician to me. Oh, there isn't a thing I don't know about music, Milton. I have my doubts about that. Well, you ask me a question. Go on, any question. All right. What's the difference in the contrapuntal technique employed by Shostakovich in his Allegro con Moto as opposed to the Largo motivations of the fugues by Bach? No coaching from the audience now. I'll, just, I'll get this thing here. You see, you know nothing about music. No, you don't think I do, eh? I consider myself... Hand me a violin there, Melton. Here. Here's a violin. Here. You understand music thoroughly, I suppose. Well, uh, my pretty good judge of it. Do you hear that note? Mm-hmm. Do you hear that? Yes. Well, you know so much about music. What opera is that note from? <laughs> huh? I guess that settles him. 
Just a musical ignoramus, that's all. <laughs> well, Ed, uh, that may be. But to strike a serious note for a minute, we have a special guest this afternoon, and I think you're just the man to introduce him. All right, Melton. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you will permit me to drop my comic mask and appear before you as a human being. If I were asked why our next guest should be on this program, I'd say for one thing that he's probably the fastest up-and-coming young comedian in the movies. I think he proved that. And see here, Private Hargrove, in which he didn't have the title role but got more attention from the critics than anyone else in the picture. I think he's also the most versatile young comedian in pictures, too. But I think that he's entitled to a spot on this great Christmas show today because at the present time, he is making three pictures simultaneously, also being an assistant director on another picture, and still found time to write a story which is going to be made by MGM. That is why I think this young man should be with us today, and not because he happens to be my son, Keenan Wynn. Keenan isn't in New York, so we're going to try to contact him in California. Hello, Dad. No, that's my line, Pop. I say hello, Dad. Oh, I thought I'd say hello. No, you you got to kind of oh. make sense. <laughs> There's my son now. Hello, son. You got another line, Pop. You say, I miss you, son. I got to have the right cue. Oh, is that, oh, is that so? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss you, son. Well, I miss you, Dad. Well, I miss you very much, son. I miss you very much, Dad. You do? Yeah. Now I know how George... Hardy felt when Mickey Rooney was drafted. I don't know. But I want you to know, Keaton, I'm very proud of you, my little baby boy. Hey, Dad. Yeah? I got news yeah. for you. I'm no longer a little baby. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Since those days, I've added 25 years to my age. That's funny. I've only added 10 to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Say, look, Pop, I, I yeah? hate to disillusion you, but I'm a man. Oh, you always wanted to get old quick. I say you're a baby. Even when you were a few months old, you were the only kid who wore a, a dighty with a belt in the back. Well, I, I guess I must have given you a lot of trouble when I was younger. You gave me a lot of trouble when you were younger. You were certainly a problem. Well, it was your own fault, the kind of education you gave me. Why, what do you mean, the kind of education I gave you? There was no kid who knew so much as you. Two years at Smith, two years at Bassett. Three years at Wellesley? Those are all girls' schools. They were all girls' schools. Mm -hmm. Well, there was no kid who knew as much as you. That's all I <laughs> Well, those days are gone. I'm, I'm an old married man now. I can't believe you're married, oh, son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you. My baby boy is married. Yeah. And your baby boy has a baby boy of his own. Little Edmund Wynn. How do you like that? My son has a son. How do you like that? I gave my son a splendid education. I sent him to the finest schools in the East. I bought him seven speedboats, three expensive foreign cars. I squandered a fortune on him, and that's the thanks I get. Just when I'm starting to go out with young girls again, he makes me a grandfather, the rat. <laughs> well, you just got to face it, Pop. You're a grandfather. I'm a grandfather. Well, I don't feel like a grandfather. I don't even feel like a father. I feel young. I'm going out with girls. I danced all hours. I'm having a great time for myself. Pop. Yes? Does your vitamin pill taste different lately? 
Does my vitamin pill taste differently? <laughs> well, all I can say, son, is there's not enough room in this family for two comedians. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Well, I'm talking about you. Oh. Why don't you go into some other line of business? Are you sure you wouldn't be happy running a gas station? No, no, Pop. I'm doing too well in Hollywood. Yeah, I guess you are doing well out there. Yeah, I guess you're a big success. Yeah. Right now, I think you're a bigger star than I am. Oh, no. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Well, if you say so, Pop. <laughs> For heaven's sake, you didn't have to give in that easy, did you? <laughs> you sure... Are you sure that you wouldn't like it better selling insurance? No. No, no, I'm happy in Hollywood. You're certainly making out pretty well, aren't you, son? Well, you wanted me to make good, didn't you? Of course I wanted you to make good. But there's such a thing as overdoing it, you know. Oh, Hollywood. I remember when I was working there. Oh, well, things have changed since you worked here, Pop. They're making pictures with sound now. <laughs> oh, is that so? Mm-hmm. That's a nasty crack. <laughs> I wonder whether a father can force a son to open up a candy store. That's what I like. <laughs> Say, Keenan, since you're a big shot out in Hollywood, I guess you know all the stars. Oh, some, some. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask you about a Satan star out there. Well, which one? Well, I know you'll think this is silly. No, 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 I won't. Go ahead. Well, I don't know whether I should. Oh, go ahead. What is it? Do you know Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Of course I know Frank Sinatra. My last time I saw Frankie, he took me to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You poor kid! What? What do you mean? You were being fed by a tube. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what else is new in Hollywood? Well, uh, let's see. Dorothy Lamour is married. Dorothy Lamour is married? That's right. That's a, that's a shame. That's too bad. Why? What's the difference? You, you didn't stand a chance with Dorothy when she was single. Oh, I know I didn't stand a chance. But I can fire... Well, let me start that over again. I don't yeah. know. I feel so terrible about it. You say to me that I didn't stand a chance with Dorothy when she was single. That's right. Well, then I say I know. I can't fire a gun either, but I'm sorry when the honey season is over. <laughs> well, Dad, I hope New York agrees with you. Oh, I love New York, son. I know everyone in town. Really? Do you know Mayor LaGuardia? Do I know Mayor LaGuardia? What a silly question. Every time I pass the mayor on the street, I tip my hat. And the mayor's hat tips him. <laughs> Do I know the mayor? Well, how's the family, Pop? The family? Do you remember your Aunt Serena? Oh, sure. The, I mean, the one who walked in her sleep? Oh, what about Aunt Serena? Well, last night she dreamt she was preparing tin cans for the war effort, and she woke up and found she had done the most terrible thing in the world. Well, what was that, Pop? Well, she dragged her husband to the bathtub, turned on the faucet, was stepping on his face, and then started to yell, I'll flatten this one out of it takes all night. <laughs> I'll say, Dad. Yeah? Uh, I forgot to congratulate you on your 50th birthday. Yeah. I want to congratulate you now, Dad. And I hope you live another 50 years. Well, that's awfully sweet, son. I'm repeating this for the New York audience. You're congratulating me on living 50 years and hope I live another 50? That's right. Well, I believe I will. Because I feel stronger right now than when I started the first 50. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, before I go, Dad, uh, what else is new? What's new? Don't you know that I've got the most popular radio program on the air? The most popular radio program on the air? Well, not exactly the most popular program, but it's among the first ten. The first ten? Well, the first ten programs on Friday night, yes. <laughs> Anyhow, it's... 
It's got the biggest listening audience of any show. The biggest listening audience of any comedy show? Well, not exactly the biggest. No, not the biggest listening audience. But we got more laughs than any show. We got more laughs than any show. Yes, any show like Inner Sanctum, yes, yes. <laughs> and besides, the, the sponsor, think of this, Keenan. Yeah? The sponsor has given me a contract for five years. Five years? Well, it's really three years. That's really what it is. Three years? Well, not exactly three years, no. But it's for two years with monthly options. Monthly? <laughs> monthly options? Well, I'm on next week. You're not going to talk me out of that. <laughs> so long, Dad. Many thanks to Edwin in New York and Keenan Wynn here in Hollywood. It is rare in this business of being funny to find such a bond between father and son. And it is impossible in this business of winning a war to find a bond better than a United States war bond. Buy all you can as soon as you can, so that our fighting men won't have to spend another Christmas away from home. Once again, from the sunny shores of California, we travel across America to the snowy sidewalks of New York, and there, if everything goes according to schedule, we'll find a young singer by the name of Andy Russell. They tell me Andy has broken all attendance records since he has been back in New York. He is a star of his own very popular show on the Blue Network on Tuesday and Thursday night at 7.15. And right now, he is going to sing, I Don't Want to Love You. We take you now to Andy Russell in New York. Then I don't 
on the Charlotte Greenwood Show. Mr. Wendell Niles, start announcing, please. I guess you folks have been reading in the newspapers and magazines about the wonderful new homes we're going to have after the war. You know, with all the most modern scientific improvements, fluorescent lights, radiation heat, doors that open and shut by electronics and hot and cold running mortgages. Well, in this next sketch, we're going to drop in on an average American couple who've been planning just such a post-war home. And so it becomes my pleasure to introduce my favorite comedian, as a matter of fact, I've been introducing her over the Blue Network each Sunday afternoon on the Hallmark Charlotte Greenwood Show at 3 o'clock Eastern War Time. And I want to say very sincerely that it really is a pleasure to know her and to work with her. Here she is, America's first lady of comedy, Charlotte Greenwood. <laughs> Welcome to the Blue Network Christmas Show, Mrs. Greenwood. Wendell, what was that you just said? Well, I said, uh, welcome, Mrs. Greenwood. Now, you know it isn't Mrs. Greenwood, it's Miss Greenwood. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and here is the other half of our sketch, Charlie Cantor. <laughs> Come in here, quick. Do you know what this is? Yes, darling, it's a roll of paper. No, no, I know we can't build now, but when we can, these are the plans for our new house. They've just been approved by FHA. Isn't F that wonderful? FHA, anybody we know? FHA means Federal Housing Administration. Oh, do they approve the plans? We're building the house, aren't we? Sure, but they have to approve them. Mm -hmm. uh, look, this is the blueprint. I'll spread it out here so you can see it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want a blue house. I want a white house with green shutters. Well, that's what this is going to be. Uh -huh. We want a white house so you bring home a blueprint. Look, honey, it's going to be a white house with green shutters. Where does it say that? Doesn't say that anyplace. Now, look, honey, this is the living room. Well, it's awfully small. Oh, I forgot to tell you. It's a scale of one inch to one foot. A one-foot living room? Now, that's silly. <laughs> no, what I mean is every inch here is a foot. Well, that's ridiculous. How can an inch be a foot? What I mean is whenever they mean a foot, they use an inch. Now, there's no sense to that at all. Oh, look, you will have to take my word for it, but this is the living room. They're not putting anything over on you, are they? Why should they try to put anything over on me? Well, everybody else does. You remember when you bought that oriental rug? Oh. Hmm. 
That was a mistake. <laughs> well, maybe this was a mistake, well, too. Well, now, look, darling, nobody's trying to put anything over on me. This is backed by the government. You said the FHA. But the government is the FHA. Now, don't tell me that. Now, the government is the USA. I... <laughs> look, the FHA is part of the USA, like... Uh, like, like Oklahoma. Uh, no, no, not like Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma is part of the USA. Oh, all right, all right. Never mind Oklahoma. Now, please, look at these plans. Well, what are those things? Seats. That's impossible. You can't get them. Can't get what? Seats for Oklahoma. <laughs> Darling, will you forget Oklahoma? Those are window seats. Well, where are the windows? Right there. Well, they don't look like windows to me. Oh, look, you have to use your imagination. You can't imagine windows. They have to be there. Well, just take my word for it. They are there. Now, look, here, here is the fireplace. Oh, now, that looks awfully small. Don't forget the scale. I know. One Forget the scale. I know. One, one foot, foot is an inch. <laughs> yes, don't tell me that again. Now, where does the smoke go? Up the chimney. But there isn't any chimney. Look, that shows the chimney. Oh, I see. Yes. With oranges growing on it, you save the price of a smudge pot. Yes. <laughs> Look, sweetheart, that is not the chimney. That happens to be a tree. Does that go with the house? No, it's just the architect figured a tree. It'll look good there. An architect? What do we need with an architect? Well, he drew up the plan. You told me the FHA drew them up. <laughs> FHA approved them. Remember, everything works through FHA. You know what we want. Why don't you make the plan? Well, I couldn't make plans that a contractor could build a house for. Oh, what do we need with a contractor? Already we have a lot of people hanging around that's supposed to be our house. Look, a contractor's the man who actually builds the house. I thought we were building the house. Honey, Please leave everything to me, will you please? Now, look, sweetheart, look, Lemmy Pie, this is the bedroom. <laughs> well, we're going to have twin beds, aren't we? Yes, of course. Where does it say that? doesn't say it any place. <laughs> I thought a smart man like you would get everything in writing. Look, honey, it makes no difference to them whether we have one bed, twin beds, or sleep on the floor. Oh, well, then let's not have them. Let's not have who? People who made these plans. Why not? Well, if they're not interested in our house, let's get somebody who is. Oh, please, sweetheart, look at these plans. Now, will you please look with a good eye? Look. Now, look. Here. <laughs> Here is the kitchen. See that? Yes. Now, let's see. Now, where can we put the stove? Put it in any place you please. Yeah, we can have an electric stove. Well, certainly. We? The house is all wired with millions of outlets. Mm -hmm. Where are the wires? I don't see them with a good eye. Uh, they, they don't show the wires. Why not? Oh, I don't know, but the wires are there. They must be there because here are the electric lights. Mm -hmm. And the very newest thing, concealed lights. Yes, well, they can't be concealed very well. I can see them plain as day. I know, but listen. They're... First you show me wires I can't see and you tell me they're there. Then you show me lights I can't see and you say they're not there. Of course they're there. They're long tubes filled with a kind of a gas. Gas? You said they were electric. Oh, they are electric. They work through either AC or DC. You said everything worked through FHA. <laughs> Look, darling, please. Just forget about all that for a minute, will you, please? Look how convenient I made everything for you. Just two steps from the kitchen to the dining room. Mm -hmm. Where's the door? Here it is. Where does it say that? doesn't say that any place. Well, where's the bathroom? Here it is, right next to the bedroom. Why couldn't we put it on the other side? Well, the kitchen is there. Well, we could move the kitchen in here. We can't, sweetheart. That's the dining room. Well, put the dining room there. And where we put the living room? Well, put it where the bathroom it is. Where fit? Well, we can make it fit. It's our house, isn't it? <laughs> Don't you understand? If we did that, the living room would face the back of the lot. Well, turn the whole house around. Then we'd come out even. Well, we can't do that. Why not? If we did, people would have to come in the bedroom. And if you want to serve a meal, you'd have to go through the pantry into the bathroom and through the living room to get into the dining room. <laughs> Put the kitchen where the bathroom is. It won't work. What do we do with the bathroom? Well, shove it back there. That's no good. Then if you want to take a bath, you'd have to climb out the kitchen window. <laughs> 
I know. Make the window a door. That'll work out swell. Oh, that'll work out swell. Where will we put the window? Well, put the fireplace back there. That's the fireplace over there. That's where it was. You can't have the fireplace there. Because you'd have to step through it into the kitchen, climb over the refrigerator, get in the bathroom. Oh, Oh, but wait. I know what we could do. We could move the bathtub over here. No, no, no. No, no. Then, oh, yes. Then when you went to bed, you'd have to hang your clothes in the pantry. And in the morning, you'd be taking your shower in the china closet. Wait a minute. Yes. I've got a better idea. What is it? Big, darling, you tore up the plan. Yes, let's go completely crazy. Let's try and find an apartment. Oh. <laughs> In just a moment, you'll hear the final portion of Christmas on the Blue, featuring the famous Fred Waring chorus, The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, Mr. Joey Brown, who introduces the fighting men from the Pacific Combat Zone, talking with their families in America, and a special Christmas number by Miss Gracie Fields, Paul Whiteman and his orchestra, and the Paul Taylor Chorus. We pause now for station identification. On the Blue with your mistress of ceremonies, Gracie Fields. On Christmas Day, it is our custom to sing the traditional carols, which have been handed down from generation to generation throughout the ages. I can think of no better group to sing these carols for you than the famous Fred Waring Chorus, heard each Thursday night at 10 o'clock, sponsored by the Owens Glass Company. For this special Christmas Day treat, we take you now to New York. Oh, 
Hollywood, let's drop in on a family that delights Blue Network listeners every Sunday night with big gobs of heartwarming laughter. So here we go for another adventure in The Life of Riley, starring one of Hollywood's greatest comedians, the man you laugh at in Wake Island and Guadalcanal Diary, none other than the Beau Brummel of Brooklyn, William Bendix. <laughs> It's Christmas morning in the life of Riley, and the scene is the little living room in war worker Riley's California bungalow. Riley, his wife, and the children, 13-year-old Junior and 16-year-old Babs, are happily opening the Christmas present. Oh, boy, look what I got for my school teacher. A penknife. Boy, it must have cost her at least $2. Junior, it ain't how much the school teacher spent. It's the principal of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Right. You said you're giving up those jokes for New Year. Oh, I still got a week. <laughs> hey, uh, look, Peg, here's a present Snuffy Thomas sent me. Oh, what is it, Daddy? It's a, uh, a pair of garters. <laughs> what a cheapskate. Garters after what I gave him. Oh, what did you give him, Pop? Well, I gave him a... a, a, a holy smoke, I didn't give him anything. <laughs> Gee, that Snuffy Thomas is a nice guy. <laughs> oh, look, Junior. A dressing gown for Mother and Dad. Just what I wanted. Thanks, Mother. Thanks, Dad. Well, I hope you like the color. It's my favorite. Paris green. Olive green, dear. Oh, olive green. Then those little red dots must be the pimentos in there. (laughs) (laughs) What's that you got there, Dumplin'? Oh, it's something for you from Ike Shanahan. For me? Well, let me see. Let me see that. Well, for crying out loud. Ike must be nuts. What did he give you? A pair of wooden shoes. Well, Riley, those are shoe trees. Oh. <laughs> you put them in your shoes so they won't get out of shape. Oh, well, that's a good idea, but how'll I get my feet in? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I see what you mean. <laughs> They're very useful. Yes. Well, what are you looking for, Junior? My present from Stubby Evans. I don't see it. Well, maybe he didn't send you one. Well, he should have. A double crosser. I sent him an airplane book. Well, I'm through with that stumpy. Junior, that's no way to talk. You know what they say, never look for a gift in a horse's mouth. <laughs> well, stumpy should have given me something. Now, you take me, Junior. I sent gifts to all my pals, Waldo, Binney, Muley, Durkin, and Digger Odell, the Undertaker... But suppose they didn't give me any gifts back. Would I get sore? No. I'd still be just as friendly with them like always. Yes, your father's right, Junior. Yes. Yeah, he's right. But Stubby should have given me a present. Junior, I guess this is as good a time as any to read that new book my boss gave me. It'll teach you a lesson about Christmas. Oh, what book's that, Riley? That's this one here, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Go on, read it, Daddy. Dickens is such a fine writer. Mm, You bet he is. I read all his stuff as soon as it comes out. (laughs) Daddy! Daddy, Dickens is dead. He is, huh? (laughs) These Los Angeles newspapers don't tell you anything. (laughs) I I once saw a swell movie that Dickens wrote. It was a good movie. You know, the, the one about that very nervous boy, you know... Oliver Twitch. 
Riley. Yeah, well, now, now everybody quiet, please. And, and Junior, you listen to this story because you need it. Okay, Pop. Uh, a Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. Page one, chapter one. Pretty dull so far. Junior. <laughs> Go on, Riley. Read it, dear. <clears throat> Old man Molly was dead to begin with. He, uh, come in. Well, if it ain't my pal, little Waldo Binney. Oh, Merry yeah, how are you, Waldo? Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, my. Christmas. Uh, oh, my. Come back. Come back. Come back. Well, no wonder. Look at all them packages you're carrying there. Well, I have a few dear friends that I must give presents to. Well, now, if you mean us, Waldo, you're welcome here anytime without presents. Now, which package is which? Mr. Riley, first pull down the shade. Oh. What's the matter, Mr. Binney? Don't you want your wife to know you're out of the house? Oh, Junior, don't you be disrespectful about Mrs. Binney. Oh, that's all right. I don't mind. Well, just the same, Junior was very rude. Tell me, Waldo, how did you get away from the old bat, huh? <laughs> well, it's easier on Christmas than other days. See, I, I waited till she stepped under the mistletoe, mm -hmm. puckered her lips and closed her eyes, and then I escaped. <laughs> Waldo, old pal, sit right here in my own favorite Morris chair. You must be tired holding all them presents. Oh, all oh, the presents. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. Uh, Mrs. Riley, this is for you. Oh, I miss you. And here's one for Babs. Oh, and uh, one for Junior. Merry Christmas. Thanks a lot, Mr. Binney. Oh, I just know mine is perfume. Mr. Binney, you're a darling. Well, uh, yes, I am. <laughs> <coughs> What's that, Mr. Riley? Uh, Merry Christmas, Waldo. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Uh, you uh, better take out the package you got in your back pocket, Waldo. You'll be more comfortable. <laughs> I haven't got a package in my back pocket. Uh, but is it in your breast pocket? I haven't got any more packages. Oh, I see. Uh, 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 Riley was just reading us the Christmas Carol. Oh, fine. It's my favorite story. Yeah, it was a Christmas present I got. Uh. Uh. <laughs> oh, go on, Riley. Read it, dear. Old man Molly was dead. He looks very yuley. Come in, come in, Waldo. How's about letting my pal Muley sit in the Morris chair? You can sit on that there footstool. Well, yes, certainly. Then my feet can touch the floor. No, no, no. Sit where you are, Waldo. It's time for the presents, and there's no time like the presents. That's the kind of talk I like to hear, Muley, old best friend I got. Well, here you are, Junior. Jeez. Thanks, Muley. Yeah, and this is for you, Babs. Oh, thank you, Mr. Dirk. And this is for your charming mother. Why, Muley, thank you. <laughs> and Riley? Yes, Muley? Those slippers you gave me were nifty. They were, huh? Yeah, I thank you from the bottom of my feet. <laughs> and in appreciation, Riley, old pal, there's something I want you to have. What's that, Muley? A happy new year. <laughs> Thanks. 
It's sure starting off good. Well, now that Santa Claus Muley's bag is empty, he might as well sit down. I think I will try your Morris chair, Riley. If Morris don't mind, why should I? <laughs> Mr. Riley was just reading us a Christmas carol. Oh, swell. This story has got a message. It's about a miser who don't never give nothing to nobody. <laughs> Are you listening, Muley? <laughs> Riley, go on, i Old man Molly was dead. <laughs> he didn't know when he was well off. Greetings, one and all. Well, 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 if it ain't my favorite undertaker, Digger O'Dell. How are you, Digger O'Dell? Hello, Riley. You're looking fine. Very natural. <laughs> well, I, I feel good, Digger. Say, you must be tired carrying all them boxes. This Not this... at all. I like to carry boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every Christmas. Oh, that's fine, Digger, old pal. Muley, you get up and let my best friend, Digger, sit in the Morris chair. Wait a minute. Where will I sit? There's a log there in the fireplace. <laughs> right out. Wear asbestos pants. Oh, Amulie, sit here on the sofa. Uh, isn't it a lovely Christmas, Mr. O'Dell? Ah, yes. Joyous Noel. I adore Christmas. It's so gay. <laughs> sure is, Digger. Except it ain't like the old fashioned Christmas where everybody gave presents to everybody. I always give presents. What else is money good for? After all, you can't take it with you. <laughs> well, you ought to know, Digger. Every Christmas I paint the town red and green. That's why I'm known in the trade as a live wire. Good old Digger. Now, Mrs. Riley, this package is for you. Merry Christmas. Oh, my. Thank you, Mr. O'Dell. It's safe to you. Something for you, Bab? Oh, thank you. And for little Junior. Gee, thanks a lot. And now... Ahem. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me, Riley. Here's something for you. What is it, old pal? Have a cough drop. Hey, <laughs> uh, can I have it for keeps? Riley, uh, go on to the story. What story? Pop was reading us a Christmas carol. Proceed, Riley. Old man Molly was dead. <laughs> Let's not talk shop. <laughs> Continue. Why can't they let this poor guy Molly rest in peace? Come in. Mr. Riley, I have a package for you. You have? Well, gee, that's fine. That, that's swell. That's, that's wonderful. I'm glad you're pleased, but for heaven's sake, stop pinching my cheeks. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was just so excited. Put it down here, will you? Oh, my goodness, what a big box. You said it. Oh, wait a minute, boy. Thanks for delivering it. And this dime is for you. No, thanks. I couldn't take it. It would put me in a higher income tax bracket. <laughs> well, well, well. Ain't that a big box, though? Who's it from, Dad? I don't know, but I know who it isn't from. Oh, Riley. Yeah, it must be from a stranger. Friends is okay, but believe me, the people who don't know me like me better. Riley, I think you'd better open the pack. Yeah, sure. Well, well, what do you know? A whole big tool chest, complete with everything. Ain't it beautiful? Oh, gee, my oh, goodness. Oh, 
that said somebody well, back plenty. Well, here's a card, Daddy. Who's it from? Let me see this. Uh, Merry Christmas to Ray. We had you worried, didn't we? <laughs> from, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, What's the matter, dear? Go on. From his pals, Waldo, Muley, and Digger. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Boy, what a rip. What a rip. Love, I thought I'd die. <laughs> yeah. yeah th this is a good one. <laughs> well, Riley, what do you think of our little gift? Ah, oh, fellas, you shouldn't have done it. But boy, am I glad you did. <laughs> of Riley Cast for making Christmas on the Blue a merrier one. And now I have the pleasure of introducing the man who has traveled to every fighting front in this war to entertain our boys. He knows what it means for those homesick boys out there in the Pacific to talk to their loved ones here at home. So before we try to contact those certain men in the Pacific, I would like you to meet the star of Stop or Go, sponsored by McKesson and Robbins, and heard Sunday evenings at 8.30 over the Blue Network, Mr. Joe E. Brown. Thank you, fellas, and thank you, Gracie, very kindly. And thanks to the Blue Network, I'm privileged with the honor to wish every one of our great kids in uniform all over the world a Merry Christmas. Seeing them as I have, working and fighting in some instances under the most adverse conditions possible makes you appreciate their magnificence. Each and every one of them, whether in combat areas or not, is doing his job or her job. Yes. When I speak of them, I mean the girls as well as the boys. God bless them all. Race, creed, and color are no dividing lines. They're all Americans fighting shoulder to shoulder to preserve what we know to be the decent way of living. And I pledge myself that as long as I live, I shall never forget what they have done, nor the debt I owe them. Since this war started, many times we civilians have been asked to give to the effort, either with our blood or a little extra work, some task that to us may seem quite menial, or to buy bonds. I believe we should be thankful that we're living in a country where we have the privilege of investing in our country and its future, and at the same time help bring these boys and girls of ours back home. And now, directly to you, our boys and girls of the Allied nations all over the world, officers, non-commissioned officers and men, wherever you fly, march, or float, I want you to know that a piece of the heart of Joey e. Brown goes with you. It is my prayer that we'll soon know peace, universal peace on all of you. Our children will be home to enjoy a good snowball fight, baseball game, or the company of your loved ones. You know, I was trying to think of some new and different way of saying Merry Christmas. But I must confess I soon gave it up for... You know, there's only one way to say Merry Christmas. Simply and with sincerity. But we have found a new way for saying Merry Christmas, though. Through the magic of radio, it has been made possible for two of our swell fighting kids overseas to talk to their families. What a thrill. Their loved ones back here. In our studios in Honolulu are Marine Sergeant Humphrey Steele and Leland Clark of the Seabees. In San Francisco are the, family of the families of these two men. And we're going to let you listen in as they talk about all the things that are dear to them 
on this Christmas day. Before we take you to San Francisco, ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls all over the world that are within the range of my voice, I want you to know that it's my desire once more to add my wishes and my prayers for a quick and victorious ending of this terrible struggle. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you to San Francisco. This is Burton Bennett in San Francisco. Calling in uh, Blue Network correspondent William Ewing from Honolulu. Come in, William Ewing. This is William Ewing speaking from the St. Pax Studios at Pearl Harbor. We have here this Christmas morning in the studio motor machinist mate, uh, second class of the CBs, Leland Clark, who's going to talk to his wife and his family in uh, San Francisco. Go ahead, uh, Clark, and say hello. Hello. Hello, darling. How are you? Just fine, honey. Gee, I'm sure glad to hear from you. Isn't this a wonderful Christmas present? It really is. How are you spending Christmas? Honey, well, right now I'm enjoying very much talking to you, darling. Oh, that's wonderful. I really got a wonderful Christmas present yesterday morning when I was told that I was on the evacuation list. Oh, how nice. Um, that really just about floored me, you might say. <laughs> uh, and how have you been? Well, I feel fine. The only thing that makes me feel better is if you could come home. Well, naturally, I... Uh... I thought that. And, uh, you can't imagine how I want to be home. Oh, I know. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, when is Merle to get his furlough? Oh, he's home now. Captain Merle Ellis is home on furlough, and he'll be there until after Christmas. Well, that's fine for him, isn't it? Lucky? Oh, I should say. Uh, they're looking forward to having you come home, too. Well, I'll probably miss it. Well, we'll be waiting. Well, that's fine. Uh, here's your, uh, here's your mother, Clark. Hello, Leland. Hello, Mother. How are you? Uh, just fine. How are you? Just fine. And Merry Christmas to you. And thanks. The same to you. And this is just the most wonderful Christmas present I ever had. I just feel so happy I want to say Merry Christmas to the whole world. Well, and it, it made me feel real happy, too. I, uh, in fact, I'm as nervous as a kid with a new toy. <laughs> me, too. Uh, can you tell us uh, some of your experience on Saipan? Oh, well, there isn't much to tell down there. Tell about a little funnies part of it. Well, tell us the funnies. Well, my buddy and I went out. We got called up, and uh, the air raid was coming over. And in the excitement of everything, he forgot his helmet. And our uh, foxhole was kind of shallow, you know. Uh-huh. So uh, there was an anti-aircraft gun started going off from the back of our foxhole a little ways that he didn't know was there. And he started burying his face in the sand. <laughs> Every once in a while, I, he would rise up and blow the sand out of his eyes and nose and wipe his face off and say, Clark, he said, you don't take this serious. He said, this is war, and with that, he'd bury his face in the sand again. <laughs> I think that was about the funniest experience that I had down there. Well, that was funny. And uh, our living conditions there, well, they weren't the best, and I guess they weren't the worst. Uh, we had a kind of a hard bed the first few days on the sand, and then we moved up to uh, Tanapeg Harbor, and we had a nice camp there, except when it rained. And uh, I guess I'll have to say goodbye now, darling, and mother, and the best luck to you all. Goodbye, and God bless you. Darling, did you give the commanding officer my message? Oh, Remem- I Remember, I want you home for a wedding anniversary. I'll do that. <laughs> goodbye. I forgot Bye. about... Bye. Merry Christmas. 
What have you got there now, Bill? Well, I've got uh, First Sergeant uh, Humphrey Steele of the Marine Corps. Uh, Steele thinks he's a little bit nervous, too, but he isn't near as nervous as I was a while ago when both these guys got lost between you and the hospital. Go ahead there, Steele. Uh, he's been all over the Pacific, but uh, he had to get lost between you and the hospital. Go ahead and talk to him. <laughs> Hello, Ellen. Hello, Humphrey. How are you? I'm fine, and how are you? Oh, I feel swell. Well, that's grand. How's your leg? Huh? How's your leg? Fine. Well, is there any chance of you getting home? Oh, maybe next month. Is, uh, oh, early next month. Do you mean uh, before the 5th or 6th? Well, I can never tell. I can never tell. Oh, oh well, you sound <laughs> wonderful. Uh, is Jerry with you today? Yeah, uh, he'll be with me, uh... Afternoon. Sorry, fellas, you go ahead and keep talking, but we've got to end our show. Here's a parting word from Gracie Field. Well, friends, it's really been wonderful bringing you Christmas on the blue. It's been a great Christmas treat for me to introduce to your homes this afternoon so many stars of our Blue Network program and to hear the voices of our fine lads overseas exchanging Christmas greetings with their families here at home. Now, in behalf of the Blue Network and every participant of this two-hour program, I say a Merry Christmas and God bless you all. This is the Blue Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.